Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a boy and his dream podcast. I have a special guest in the house today, Andrew. On my right, Andrew, I want to welcome you to a boy and his dream podcast. It's great to be here to be able to express and share my story after uh, speaking at your gala briefly. So I'm excited. It's my first public appearance and uh, sharing this this story that is here to inspire. So appreciate that. Welcome. You know, at the gala, you asked me, "Who do you know here?" For the longest, I was confused. I said, hmm. I said, Ryan. You say, how long have you known Ryan? I said, eight years. He was like, hmm. Think about it thoroughly. I mean, think about it thoroughly. I was like, who do you know first? So I quickly thought about it. I said, that person is you standing by me. I think our relationship be like has been like 17, 18 years 18 old. 18 years, 18 yeah. 18 years old, man. You are a very smart young man, smart. So when I first met you, it was at the Indiana State Juvenile Detention Services where I was a, um, a case manager. And you came in there, um, you know, they were like big and badass. I was like... Came in there uh, for, <clears throat> I don't judge people by their crime. I don't judge people by what they did. I see human and a human that can make a change. So when I, when you came in, you know, you were like different. The, the aura, the spirit, I can feel something about, I see the future about you, but I also see that you're taking a, a, a wrong approach to life. Absolutely. I was like, man, you know what, I have to let this this guy know that he's amazing. That, that was all. That was my intent. And my intention was to let you know how amazing you were. And uh, that was exactly what I did. And, you know, I approached you with respect and then told you how amazing you are, that the future is bright. And then that was it. Then after you got out, I never saw you again until maybe 10 years later. Yeah, no, no. We The first, the last time I seen, after I, I first, obviously, initially I met you when I was 15 in uh, the juvenile center. But the first time we met, we reconnected after that was uh, at your first uh, that first fundraiser for A Boy in His Dream. That was uh, 2016. 2016. 2016, yeah. yeah. Super uh, right. Uh, yeah, 2016 at the, was that the Vertical? I, I, I'm i not sure, but it was a nice little fancy place. Yeah, it was at the Vertical. It was a nice yeah. fancy place. <laughs> it, it was a nice fancy, fancy though. place. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was the first time I've ever been invited to a gala. Yeah. I didn't even know what a gala was at the time. Yeah. And, that, and at the time, they were like, it's called a gala. The gala, yeah. Oh, the gala, From gala. gala to gala. <laughs> so what happened was that I noticed you, you know, like you work out, you both. I mean, you were bigger then. Yeah, I you was. You know, you like, I, you know, I was big, you big, you know. I I, I, I noticed that you like, kind of look at me and say, man, dude, sizing me up. I said, whatever, you know. I'm an, <laughs> I'm an IBB pro, I, you know, I bodybuild, I compete. You know, so I'm always on the stage. I'll say, oh, whatever. I will get that all the time. You know, people like, maybe he just like kind of like want to, you know, build like that. You know, just say, I said, whatever. So I let I let it be. So during when the, I started like sharing testimony about, you know, with the work I do, how I work with, you know, young adult and stuff like that, I was making a reference to Laporte County Juvenile Detention Services that you, I was referencing to a particular scenario and that was you. You're yeah. like, hey, yeah. that's me, you Absolutely. know. People thought that we made that stuff up, yeah. you know. I said, look, <laughs> we, this is not our state. I mean, I get it. Why? It's, it's, <laughs> it, I mean, it fits the whole criteria. But it was true and it was, in my perspective, divine timing. You know, I, I that was a very great, you know, um, a great reflection, right? Because at that at that stage of my life, you know, I was 26 years old. Um, the the year prior was my first year opening up my first personal training studio. Mm-hmm. I made over six figures, so I was I was feeling un- unstoppable. You know, being able to come from, um, you know, 
that juvenile detention center at age 15 when I first met you on secure side on 23 hour lockdown mm -hmm. to not only finding my way in life, but to become successful monetary wise was a huge accomplishment for me. So when we got to that event, um, and like, I was just like, who, who am I going to network with? Like, who's who? Like, <laughs> all right, everybody's looking good. People got some suits on. Like, there's there's some money in here. Let's Try let's it. talk. But then once you started to speak, you know, you speak with conviction, Sonny. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was like, when I first seen you, I was like, dude, where do I know you from? Mm -hmm. Right? That's when, like, you're saying, like, I'll size you up. I was mm -hmm. like, who is this guy? Like, I know him. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is the gym. That it, I'm like, no, no, no. I, I don't know you from the gym. And then mm -hmm. it just went over my head. But when you started to speak, and as soon as I seen uh, Michigan City High School oh, logo, stuff, yeah. and I seen the Laporte County you, you Juvenile start, Detention Center logo, that, you know? I was like, okay. "That's when I just interrupted you." Okay, I was like, "Yo, Sonny, I was one of those kids." Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. I'm so I'm gonna cut in real quickly. So you know what we do is like, you know, I I sp I speak about adversity and opposition. You know, most some people think thought that adversity was supposed to like beat them up and wipe them off the surface of the earth. Some people go through a lot of hard time, hardship. They don't get out from it. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't know how to overcome it. So I speak about empowerment because of my story. If I can't overcome any human born of a woman can also overcome. It's just in my, it's in my say. So what happened is like, you want you to tell your story where you were and where you are right now, how you able to like navigate from that? What what was that defining moment that you have that ha what happened to you that you have to make that judgment call and say I'm done, enough yeah. is now. I'm going this direction instead of that direction. Um, well, to answer that question, it happened a couple of years before my son was born. Okay. But when my son was born in 2015, that gave me that real, that real drive to not utilize my traumas to where I victimized myself, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And make excuses and try to justify like why I'm not there yet because X, Y, Z. And because of blame tactics, you know? There's always a blame of, tactics. Of course, that, that's, that's how I met you originally. Yeah, yeah sir, that's exactly what's <laughs> happening right now in our society. Everyone is blaming everyone. So yeah. I'm gonna let you go with your story for yeah. before we dive into that mentality. Absolutely. You know, Sonny, um, you, t you speak on blame. Mm -hmm. um, I kid you not, man, I wish my mom was here. I blamed her for everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I blamed her for everything uh, as a kid because that was my escape mechanism. Of course. You know, and it's easier that it's way. It's easier, much mm -hmm. easier. I could have blamed my father. Yeah, instead of looking at um, what did my mom go through as a child mm -hmm. that made her who she is today. But in that, in that moment, you know, at 15 years old when I first wound up going to SecureSide before I met you, it was right, uh, it was actually three days later after I overdosed on Xanax mm. in, uh, in school, actually. And that, that uh, previous weekend, I, 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 I kid you not, I was probably around like nine or 10 Xanax bars I swallowed in one. Um, and the reason why I did that is I tried to commit suicide mm -hmm. because I was selling drugs at the time. Mm -hmm. And when I was in Michigan City, I actually sold um, Xanax to this adult and he robbed me. So I felt like I just got set up by all these people and I got robbed, so I ate all those Xanax mm -hmm. to try to kill myself. And um, I woke up on secure side, and that's when I met you. Yes, sir. Uh, but I wouldn't have been on probation if it wasn't for my mother. Um, when I first got arrested, um, when I was 15, it was for stealing alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, trying to throw a party, trying to be the new kid. I was a new kid in a new town, mm -hmm. in a new state, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to make friends, and I tried to fit in. Yeah. And uh, the first time I got locked up was from 
stealing alcohol at the Meyer in Michigan City. And my um, my mom, my dad, they were going to let me leave because it was my first time. And my mom said, you know what? He got himself there. Tell him he to get himself out. That, yep. Right? <laughs> and you were disappointed. <laughs> I thought I was, listen, I thought I was going home. Like, <laughs> no, the, you're not. The, the, the sergeant was like, hey, listen, your, your, your dad called. You know, he's coming home. And then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, he came back and he's like, well, your mom said she's got cuss and he's, she said that you're going to stay here. Ooh. And that's when I was like, and just like so like defeated. And that's when I first got transported to Lepore County Juvenile Detention Center and really felt what it was to be like as if I was a caged animal. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I've always been, I was always a good kid, but I just made bad decisions to try to fit in with my surroundings. True that. And um peer and, pressure. And, yeah, that peer pressure, right? We all go through it. People still don't know how to remain um calm and, mm -hmm. and, and be their own self. And be their own self. Yeah, a leadership. And, if you want to be, if you want to be a follower, you don't. You follow them. If you want to want people to follow you, you got to be yourself, authentic self, and be able to project those specific great character. That's what yeah. attracts people. Yeah. So you want an acceptance. So you do what they do. Party. And you get yeah. yeah. Trying to get accepted. Yep. Start gangbanging. Try yeah, to get accepted. You know, start doing drugs to, to feel accepted. Mm -hmm. Start partying and drinking to feel accepted. Mm -hmm. No longer am, am I an athlete no more because that ain't cool no uh, more. Yeah, you quickly sacrifice that real quickly for what now, you want right? at that moment. Yeah. yeah, you know. So, so at that point, when did you decide that you know what? And I'm gonna step on this on this break right now. I'm gonna turn around because you know if you would have continued, you would have been heading towards a big house. Straight up, I mean, it was yeah. uh, you. Well, were... I, it, it didn't. I didn't put the brake on until like years after that. Like, I, I flew underneath the radar because mm -hmm. I didn't get caught. True that, right? I didn't get caught, uh, you know. And it wasn't until I was 22, 21, 22 years old when I, um, you know, after after I left uh, the juvenile detention center, the only reason I got off probation because I went to the military. True that. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for me as well. And I had a um, executive officer who really. He, he, he respected me, liked me, and he gave me a general discharge under honorable conditions when he shouldn't have mm. um, because I really couldn't focus. I really didn't know how to take discipline, and mm -hmm. I went from one institution to another institution without any type of rehabilitation in between. So how, how, how am I supposed to now take authority when I couldn't take authority before? Exactly. Right? So that led me lost before, and then they tell you when you if you leave the military um, and you don't have— a well, good thing I had a general under honorable conditions— um, they said if you get an OTH or a dishonorable discharge, then you're, you're screwed. It's like not having a degree, you can't get a job. Mm -hmm. So I was like put in that position, but it wasn't fun for me. It, like it didn't feel right in here. I, I missed my, 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 my family, and like it was, it was very challenging being so far away. But one thing I will tell you about the military is that it gave me a different perspective of, of what's really out there. I no longer was a kid from the south side of Chicago and the south suburbs. And I went to different countries in like Cartagena, Colombia, where I seen five-year-olds selling cocaine and, and bringing the military men to the to the um, club and to stuff. the clubs mm -hmm. where the prostitutes were at. Yeah, and that give you a different perspective of life to where it's like what's really out here. Yeah, and you know the military. I went to a, a few different countries, and you know this is why travel is so important to uh, growing because you get to study new culture. Mm -hmm. And most Americans, unfortunately respectfully are ignorant yep. because they don't travel yep. and they don't spirit culture yep. and they stay in their same towns, which yep. means they're going to be close minded. Close minded. So, so I'm grateful for the military because it opened up my mind yep. and brought me to different parts of the world. But it wasn't until I got into martial arts when I went to college afterwards. Was that a defining moment? That was a defining moment. You know, I was, um, I tried, you know, the military thing didn't work. So I'm like, all right, I went back home. Of course, the streets got me. Right, so I'm like back to well, the street choked you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, yeah. <laughs> they got me, right? Yeah, uh, because it's easier. Or for me, if it was easier to be in the streets and hustle than get a job. 
right? Because I didn't, I felt like I was worth more, so I didn't want to settle for a minimum wage job. True that. Well, also, when you know that when you don't when you don't have the desire to change, you fall for anything that's available. Of course, that was what happened at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was, <clears throat> I went back to my old environment, right? And as soon as I got back to my old environment, all those old beliefs started to govern my consciousness. Mm. And, um, but then, you know, I fell in love with this girl. Um, it was the first woman that I, I thought I was in love with. Right, I was 21 years old. It was that puppy love. But it was like, if you ever seen the movie The Notebook, it was like that. And I fell in love with this girl for like three months. And she went away to college down south and um, to Southern Illinois University. So, of course, I had to follow, but I didn't make it all the way to the Southern. My, my midway point was at Eastern Illinois University. So that's when I went to college. And I was just like, I'm going to do the college thing and like to get the FAFSA and, and just try to make things happen. But that didn't work out mm. because when I got to college, I just seen more opportunity to sell more drugs to all these kids that come from decent households who will spend all their money on drugs. And that led me to a really bad path. I was supposed to go to college, but I'm wind up selling dope In instead of going to college. Yeah. And that led me partying and drinking and getting lost in, in you know, in the sauce, how most college kids do. And, but then, uh, I was, I was always violent. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm the type of person who grew up, like my mom told me when I was a kid, if anybody touches you, you break the nose. Mm -hmm. Okay. My dad, I've seen my dad handle a lot of people physically with violence. So like my whole escape mechanism as a man was like, I'm tough, I'm violent. You can't see this soft side of me. And that will get the best of you, mm -hmm. right? When you, when you act with anger and rage. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I'm drinking, I'm triggering, and I'm drinking and I'm partying. And every time I'm drinking and partying, I'm going back to my, my house and living in this ghetto house is just depressing. But I don't have nothing else. I don't have no escape. I don't have no escape there. Mommy and, mommy and daddy ain't bailing me out. Like, you're there. Figure out what you're going to do and whatever that next step, you got to do it. And that time I didn't, I didn't have nothing else besides fighting. Mm. I didn't know it. I didn't, I've never even been in a real martial art gym before, but I was knocking too many people out in school or at the bars, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, that made me think about going to prison for the rest of my life. And I knew somebody at that time, they got in a fight and, you know, in those small towns, they'll lock you up and throw away the keys. That's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, it gave me an inspiration to um, pick up a phone call and do some research on like a mixed martial art gym. And I kid you not, uh, that first day I, I found, um, I don't know how I got his, his phone number, but I found out a guy named Jeremy Harmison, who was a world champion Muay Thai fighter. And I got his uh, phone number from somebody, and that day I called him. He answered, and he was coaching his son's uh, football practice. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'll call you right back. And, of course, my, you know, inside of me is like, oh, this guy's not going to call me back. Kid you not, that uh, that next day he called me back, and um, I opened up to him about, like, what I, who I was and what I want to learn. And um, he picked me up that day, and he took me to the gym. Um, and, he, and that's when I found out he was a preacher, right? So I'm like, all right, this dude is nice. He's a man of God. Like, I have no clue what God is at that time. But he brought me to the gym, and as soon as he put those tie pads, you know, as soon as he put those gloves on and those shin guards on, man, I kid you not, I uh, got my whole reality rearranged when he put those hands on me, right? Because I thought I was the toughest, you know, 155-pounder on the planet because, you know, that's what my ego told me so. And then when I went into that gym, I, I, I went against an actual real professional world champion, and he made me look like a student of life, you know? But in those moments afterwards, it wasn't, he wasn't that warrior when he put those gloves on. He was that, that father. He was that preacher that was compassionate, empathetic, and open to hearing what I had to say. And in that moment in my life, that was the first time where I felt safe 
to be able to express myself with another man. Mm-hmm. And that was the turning point where I was like, wow, I got to keep coming back. And I kept coming back. And then he introduced me to uh, a man named Heath Pedigo, who is the founder of Pedigo Submission Fighting, which is now the <clears throat> top Brazilian or American jiu-jitsu competition team in the world, you know. And Heath uh, was one of the most kind, genuine, you know, small town guys who loved fighting, was really good at it, but he loved building, building individuals. And at that time, I got to train with world champions, not just on the, the Muay Thai, the stand-up striking side, mm-hmm. but with grappling and uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So that, those moments in my life were the beginning of fellowship, the beginning of unity, purpose. You know, because we live in this world where we have all these distractions that take our time. And now, this is, when I was in high school, we didn't have social media. But now when we have social media now, you have all, you have even more distractions that take your time. Mm-hmm. So what that, do, what that does, it steals your soul, essentially. Because you're giving your time to all these things that don't really mean nothing to you. All right, unproductive. And, and at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're feeling hopeless and lost. Mm-hmm. And when I, went, when I went and I joined that gym, and I surrounded myself by a bunch of guys that I had no clue who they were. From a small town, I grew up from, came from a big city. We all loved each other because we left it all on the mats, right? And and that right there was like that beginning of wow, like I can do something with my life, yep. you know. And and next thing you know, and I'm helping out uh, with you know the women's kickboxing class and just holding pads. And next thing you know, and I'm like getting super dedicated. Like I flushed all the cocaine that I was selling down the toilet. You know, I started hitting the gym in the weight room. And the next you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back in school just at the weight room. I'm not going to class, but I'm at the weight room. And next thing you know, I'm just seeing myself just go around and help the individuals in the gym that looked more, more clueless than I did. And that was the beginning of what I, when I first discovered what a personal trainer was. I just seen this niche. I love being in the gym. I love fighting. So I was like, how do I make this work? I was like, how do I, like, and then like, but, I, but I'm like, I got this, this belief that if I don't get a degree, I'm going to be worthless. So for me, it was like all these different modalities that were coming at me towards like, all right, I love, you know, boxing, kickboxing. I love jujitsu. I love lifting weights. I love helping people. I was just like, how do I make this work? And then, you know, one day, like, I, 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 mind you, if you keep going and you don't give up, you'll get that download. Right, they get that down on whatever that whatever that thought came from. It gave me that belief that it was just like, hey, you have the desire. You could be a personal trainer, and I was like, what's a personal trainer? And that's what was like. I looked at all the, you all know, requirements the, the requirements. Stuff, yeah. I was like, you don't need a degree. So I was like, yes, you don't need do a degree. That. I was like, let's go. I'm like, and that's when I started to really gather my thoughts and like, okay, like this is what I got to do. Like, I got to first, I got to get out of Central Illinois because there's no, nothing down there besides cornfields. Oh, and you're gonna be cooking. Or I'm gonna be, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna be, be a statistic down yeah, here because yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't like us boys from the city coming down and uh-uh. causing a bunch of ruckus in their small town, which no, is making no. their lives harder. They gonna wrap you up. You know, um, so that's what gave me the inspiration to um, drop out of college because I was like, I found an alternative route that really inspired me. And Meaningful, I, brought a purpose. Of course, because I, mm. I, I, I had this belief that it was possible. So what do you currently do right now? What's your, you're an entrepreneur, so what is your job right now? How are you helping people? How are you making money? How do, great question. My job is to uplift and enhance the, the, the quality of the lives that are surrounded by me. That's and how I do that is through a unique 
process called the Ages Transformation Journey, which I've been designing the last five and a half years that is a model to help you understand all these resources that will give you optimal health and your mental, emotional, and physical being, but also being able to provide you the business resources that I've been able to learn over the last 10 years to show you how to build a personal brand. So for me, I had this this vengeance against school because mm-hmm. I'm like, you guys are making me learn all this stuff. And True that. They said school is not for everybody. Right, it's not, it's not for know. everybody. Um, you know, you know, school is good. They say it's not for everybody. Not everyone can go through the process. So as long as you're doing something with your life and you're using your gift to bless yourself and others and you are not hurting anyone or bringing trouble to your society, you are value added. I respect anyone who is trying to do great things, whether you have a degree or not, you're equally respected as long as you're adding value to society. I want to praise you. Yeah. You know, where's your studio? You have a physical facility, correct? Uh, yeah, well, I'm with Caliber Martial Arts in Lake Geneva. That's what I'm saying. In uh, in um, Wisconsin. Okay. But like to, to finish off what you're saying, like, because I don't want to just come at school. Yes. Right? I don't want to just come at school because I've got friends that graduated from the uh, Berkeley School of Music. I've got friends that graduate from Howard University and they're top TV producers that are just producing Coach Prime with Deion Sanders. Oh, man. Like, so I've got some friends that utilize the degree. My business partner, Mark Richardson, he graduated from from Purdue, uh, computer science. I'm Purdue. Right? So, right? (laughs) If If you go to college knowing what you're going to do, that's beneficial. True. But if you're going to college and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do when you get to college, it's going to be a lot of stress and a lot of debt and a lot of uncertainty. True that. And for me, college wasn't a thing in my family. Um, and, um, you know, and, and that's why I had to find an alternative route. But for me, my whole method was, like, how do I fill in the gaps that school's missing? You know, and that's why you know, I like to teach people. It's just like, for instance, like um, love. Right? What's the most important thing in life? Love. I never took a class on how to love myself as a man. Right. You know, and I also never took a class on how to manage my finances, right, at an early age when we should be teaching these kids about commodities and, and um, you know, different types of currencies or, um, you know, services that are just as valuable. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's why, like, I like, I like to be able to teach people a lot of different um, ways of how to get through their life turbulence. But, sure. but my bread and butter is through martial arts, that's right. teaching people how to become a fighter, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and that's, that's what I love about life is that when you have a fighter mentality, right, nothing can beat you because you know that if you get hit, you, it, it, ain't gonna, it might knock you down, but you're going to get back up because mm-hmm. you've been hit. I've been hit before. I've been kicked in the face before. I've been beat and jumped, but I got up. Just the right? same way life does to you. It'll yeah. hit you, yeah. knock, you dead. knock you down. It's less for you to get up and walk or you can stay there. It's a choice, and also it's a mind thing. You know, I have a guest that came in on Tuesday. We talk about that, how your mindset is the only thing that drives you. It's all about mindset, whether you think you're making it, whether you think you are far behind, whether you think you're going to keep running. It's your mindset. You know, whether you're going to wake up, show up on time, that mindset, man. Yeah. So how do we possess that great mindset? It's an indiv- individual decision. You have to have the desire to want something to be able to apply the right mindset, you know? It's all individually packaged. You have to make that decision for yourself. I cannot tell you what you need to do with your mindset, but I can inspire you. I can't force you to be good. You know, I I want to say, you know, uh, thank you for making that turnaround. And then what message do you have to those kids right now 
running the street, you know, carjacking, robbing people, dropping out of school, getting women pregnant. I mean, both men and women are doing it, running the street, not planning their life. And at the end of the day, they're going to turn around and blame the society or the government. Yeah. Well, I mean, what message do you have for them right now? Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm yes, getting goosebumps. Uh, <laughs> this is good. Well, to the men, to the young men, right? Um, turn off your phones and your Instagram feeds and your social media feeds and, and, and close your eyes and really breathe deep until you can feel the power of who you are. And, and it's hard just to say that, right? You know, these young men around here, they have so many distractions that are just increasing their egotism and increasing their insecurities and, and lack of commitment and discipline because we're, you know, especially here in America, American kids are being infiltrated in their minds with all these platforms, right? And most of these platforms, if you look at the, the companies that own them, they're not necessarily American-owned companies. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, TikTok is owned by China. So the kids in America, these 19-year-old young men, they're getting these algorithms. They're showing them how to be idiots and how to get rich, how to make money and be an idiot. While these kids and these young men in China are getting algorithms to show them how to be a mathematician True. or how to be a genius with your Excel sheet. Mm -hmm. And but then you got the kids that are in the hood, in the streets. They're picking up the guns. They're picking up the drugs and they're selling. And and they don't they don't know any better because that's what they've been conditioned to believe. But my message to them is that imagine. If you took those same skill sets and you converted it into a service that was beneficial, right? Take that. There's a great book that I read years ago. It's called uh, What Harvard Business School Won't Teach You by Mark McCormick. He was the founder of IBM, which um, was a sports agency that uh, uh, was like signed to Arnold Palmer. So he was like Arnold, uh, Arnold Palmer's management. Um, and the book had a specific section called The Drug Dealing Method, which I thought it was amusing. Right? And I was just like, what does this mean? Right? And it's like the book talks about coming from a street smarts executive. Mm -hmm. But he talks about this method on, on how like a lot of these young kids are selling drugs and so forth. And, and it's crazy because like all those young men need is an, or women mm -hmm. is it a convert resource. The, it, convert, convert that, that skill to be, set. Yeah, to legal skill set and use it. The same skill set that's illegal. Yeah. If you apply that, just cross over. All just you sell a different product. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just sell just a different product. Yeah. How, how do you... Exactly. <laughs> just sell a different product. Use the same method. You're smart already. Instead yeah. of using it there to do something illegal, cross over. Yeah. S sell a different product that's legal and you will kill it. But, but, <laughs> but it's, it's hard for them to do that because Hollywood, the, the rap music industry... But it's not even Hollywood, yeah. though. It's a society in general. Yeah. It's, it's the method, the system here is that they make you feel as if it's easier to make it. Yeah. But truly, it's frankly not. speaking, it's not. You know, it's easy. I mean, you can just be rich right now. All you need to do is you sign up for four credit cards. They give you $10 union in those four. How much? $10,000 a union in those four. That's 40 grand right now. You have $40,000 right now on credit card. You can swap it, but you're going to be in debt. They don't know that. So once once that start catching up with them, they can do whatever it takes to catch up to pay those debts. You know, there's so many things that people do because society say you can have everything you want. Yeah. But absolutely. not knowing, they didn't tell them that you have to pay for everything that you want. Because yeah. nothing is handed. It's not free. You know, I'm going to actually want to bring this topic, but it's for a different episode. You know, like when someone say, 
here you go. I'm giving you this. Do not take a handout because you're going to pay for it one way or the other. Here in this society, oh, someone yeah. hand you something for oh, free, yeah. <laughs> ask them why. <laughs> I say, why are you giving Facts. me for free? Because if you don't ask, you will be paying for it. Yeah. I, see, I witnessed that. I've experienced that. I always encourage kids, don't take a handout. You know, do not <laughs> tell the, give me a way to earn it. Yeah. Then you'll be free. If you take a hand out, you're a slave to that giver. <laughs> Unless yeah. that individual is a Christian person that is just giving genuinely from their mind. But the givers who give genuinely for their mind, they're very few. Absolutely. Yeah, you have got, got to find them. Yeah. The vast majority, they're giving you because of what they can get back in return. You yeah. better be ready to exchange, bro. Yeah. This is a society we lead. You know, because of time, I want to thank you, you know, for coming and, and for, and, and, you know, encourage those children out there to get up the street and sharing your story of inspiration and passion and how you change from being nothing to be something. Then you thought you were something. And then now that you something, you can look back. You can actually look back and say, wow, I was clowning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at where I was. Look at where I am right now. That's why so many people always say, if I knew what I know now, I would have done better. But now you have a lot of inspiration that's helping you to know what you're supposed to know so that you can make a difference. So it's still hard for some people to change. Yeah. But we cannot give up motivating just because people refuse to change. Absolutely. That's how we're going to draw the cotton today, saying thank you for tuning in. You know, Get ready for the next episode. I want to thank you for coming. God bless you, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Appreciate you, man. So thank, thank you so you, much. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So if the desire to succeed is there, you're always going to make it. For anyone, for any human to be able to succeed, the desire has to be there, period. Thank you.